The narrative surrounding the impact of remote work on productivity has taken unexpected twists and turns. Initially, the prevailing wisdom during the early days of the pandemic was that remote work was a boon for productivity. Yet, as the pandemic's grip waned and remote work persisted, reports began to suggest a dip in productivity among remote employees compared to their in-office counterparts. The question on everyone's mind, did the allure of working from home lose its luster? Did the external pressures that had driven the mass migration to remote work diminish with the waning threat of COVID-19? Amid this ongoing transformation, organizations find themselves at a crossroads. Perhaps most intriguingly, it's become evident that there is no one-size-fits-all solution to this very complex dilemma. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Sanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my co-host and renowned psychometrician, Joe Folkman. Hello, Bri. So we're back talking about remote work again. Oh, again, again. We have to keep talking about it because it keeps changing for for all of us. Got to keep bringing it up. More companies in the industry this year have told their employees, it's time to go back to the office. (laughs) And they've used different approaches to get people to return. Yes, they have. And um, I know as Zanger Folkman, for those who live by headquarters in Utah, it's it's Wednesday is office day. You found the Wednesday. How's that working? Uh, really good. I mean, it. I mean, it, we just get some interaction. Oftentimes, what's interesting about it is we'll have a lunch there. It, it's really, it's really great, and people lo- love getting together. But it's one day a week, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, people seem to really like like that version of it. I do remember the switch was very hard for you, and um, I guess I didn't say this at the beginning of the podcast. You are my father, and when. <laughs> pandemic happened. I remember mom telling me, you've just never been home before. You were gone 200 plus days of the year, traveling, doing things as a consultant. And suddenly you were home all the time and she just didn't know what to do with you. And she said, you kept following her around the house. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, he just keeps following me. (laughs) Well, and and then there was the depressing thing of going into the office and being the only person there. I'll just go to the office and work. No one's there. there. There's weird sounds all over the place, you know, and you're like freaking out. It's just, it was, it was really something. (laughs) So now it's nice to go in one day a week, make connections, have those meetings be in touch. You know, lots of companies have done different types of incentives. So I did hear over the summer that Salesforce told its employees that it would donate $10 to the charity of their choice for every day that they came into the office. I really wonder how that went. But on the other side of it, Google took a different approach. Uh, The official policy was to try to be in the office hybrid around three days a week, and not a lot of people were honoring that. And so they kind of brought it down to the performance review and that you might even miss out on your bonus if you're not showing up on your three days a week. And Meta, Amazon, Lyft, they're all hybrid too, around three days a week. And even Zoom, 
the people who made it possible for all of us to <laughs> to function during the pandemic. They also switched to hybrid and found that that's best and that they were begging people to come back into the office. So big tech was the first to go remote and sing its praises, but now they're they're walking it back a little. Um, it's a multifaceted conundrum, and its solution requires a deep understanding of various factors at place. So let's get going. Uh, Joe, are remote workers more effective? What do the numbers say now? Well, it, it's complex. And so to shed light on this, we conducted a study in 2022 and then carried it out into 2023. The research involved uh, leaders operating in both remote and in office settings. And we had about 1,355 leaders in offices and about 999 leaders working remotely. So, you know, more in the office situation, we'd done 360 assessment on the leaders. We'd collected engagement data on the direct reports. And the findings that emerged challenged conventional wisdom in two compelling ways. First, there was no discernible difference between the overall leadership effectiveness between leaders operating remotely and those working in traditional office settings. And second, the engagement level of direct reports remained consistent, regardless of whether leaders were remote or on site. So engagement, same. Leadership effectiveness, same. Interesting. Okay. So we know that collaboration and connection are really affected, but effectiveness, like getting it done, not, not so much. And we're almost done with 2023. So these intriguing revelations have remained unchanged. They, we've shown no significant shifts year over year. There was. There, there were two things that popped out. The first one was a confidence that the organization would achieve its strategic goals. It was higher in the office situation than it was remote. But conversely, those working remotely displayed higher scores on discretionary effort, reflecting a willingness to kind of work harder and do more and put more into it. So that that was really interesting that that's a significant issue. I find that very interesting because I would assume that they on, on the days um, when people are at home, they'd be a little less focused. So these these two differences raise interesting questions. Is there a cause and effect to working from home or the office, or is the primary driving force a selection phenomenon, like of who who you let do that, right? Of that this person is more self motivated, so therefore they're they're going to be okay when you when you put them remote. I mean, are, are, are people who are convinced that the firm will achieve its strategic goals more motivated to make an effort to come into the office? Or are people who work from home, like I said, they're more prone to be self-starters. They don't need other people around them to reinforce a work discipline. When we looked at the differences between office and remote, one of the things we found was this dichotomy, this people focus versus task focus. And that's really, I mean, that, that, is, that is such a fundamental kind of part of leadership theory. And, and what we found is in the in-office situation, we observed that leaders were consistently rated higher on 
their ability to value differences and in inclusion, as well as their adaptness at cultivating relationships with colleagues. Now, these competencies thrive in regular face-to-face -face interactions that an office environment naturally creates, okay? And the inclination towards this people-focused uh, approach of leadership appears to be more closely associated with in-office work settings where interpersonal skills are cultivated more rapidly. So these are your people persons. Yes. They get they get energy from being around others. They want to be in the office. Don't put them at home. I feel that way. I work from home because I'm not next to the office, but I would love to be in the office. <laughs> <laughs> You'd love some interaction. I need some interaction. It's so quiet. When you looked at the data, what we found is that remote leaders received more favorable assessments on behaviors that were associated with task-oriented leadership. These competencies included strategic perspective, customer focus, driving for results, taking risks, making decisions, and establishing stretch goals. Now, it's plausible that the remote dynamics foster a more directive approach among these leaders, necessitating the challenge of coordinating strategy, driving results, and orchestrating change. Hmm. It's worth noting that the remote work landscape, it's not without its unique challenges, like you were, you were just saying. And I think something we discovered last year in, in our own company was that while our marketing team was really close because of the remote situation, we did have a more difficult time bonding and interacting with other teams in our company. And when we came together for our all company meeting, that was something that we all felt like, oh, our team's really close, but we don't bump into the other ones on the office. And if you're not working with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So we started doing um, virtual team, get to know you lunches. You do have to make those extra efforts to, to reach out to others when it is remote. And as organizations navigate this evolving terrain, they must consider how are they going to strike a balance between these two different leadership profiles that you talked about, people focus or task focus, who's kind of falling into these, these different circles, and, and how do we leverage the strengths of each of these in, in their pursuit for continued success? So what about you've continually over the years since we started remote work looked at employee engagement. So how has that changed at all? Has it remained the same? Well, what's fascinating, and if we look at the data, what we look at is employee engagement uh, and we break it into deciles. And then we look at office employees versus remote employees. What we see, obviously, is the worst leaders have the lowest level of engagement. That's true in the office and it's true remote, right? Mm -hmm. And the differences aren't very big between the two groups. But one of the things we did notice as leaders became more effective, as leaders moved up that chart and into the top quartile, what we noticed, and this is not a huge difference, but we did notice that engagement in the office was at the 69.6 percentile 
versus remote, 65.3. Now, that's Mm. not a big, you know, that is not 69, 65. That's not a huge difference. It is statistically significant. And I think that means something. It underscores the undeniable impact of physical presence, face-to-face interactions, shared spaces. You get that in an office and you don't get that remote. It's harder to do. It's harder to have those little little experiences with people, those, hi, how you doing? What's going on? All oh, it's talk. And so just a slight difference in engagement that favors the office. Last week, I spent an entire week <laughs> with a client and, and I was I was actually worked with a group for four days. And up front, uh, people were kind of going, oh, I can't believe this is four days, it's grueling. But what we found is this amazing experience of being together and interacting with each other. And, and you could just feel uh, how much people appreciated being together. And the interactions that were they were more real, and you know we do the same experience remotely. We do it over three long sessions over three days, and and we actually spent four days together. But at the end of it, people were just saying, "I love this experience." I think that we're starting to appreciate these experiences a lot more since we don't have them as much. <laughs> yes, and we need them. So if you have been resisting hybrid, if you are always trying to come up with excuses why you can't show up to the office, we encourage you to look at the benefits. The numbers don't lie. And while many employees have embraced the comforts of remote work, I do enjoy my chair. (laughs) We're liberated from our commutes and the office politics. The prospect of having a portion of the workforce regularly present in the office each week offers the best of both worlds. Yet, the debate is probably going to persist. We'll probably do a few more podcasts talking about our progress in this area. So with all of the different opinions out there, the hybrid work environment emerges as an astute solution, bridging the gap between divergent preferences and harnessing the power of choice. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna O'Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.